street to, you know, see men worshiping, you know, worship my brothers. And you know, I came here tonight, it was just an excitement, you know, excitement for what, you know, I think God is doing during the men of this church. And I'm so thankful for uh, just seeing what God's doing, you know, not, not much space left in here. We might outgrow it here pretty soon. And uh, good to see you. I'm Pastor Abram, a lot of new faces. Um, Pleasure to be here tonight. Rick is out of town today. Um, but a few weeks back, he asked me to take chapter 10. And so that's where we're going to be tonight. Take your Bible with me to Romans chapter 10. Okay. Last week, I, I guess Rick uh, taught chapter 9, right? And some controversial subjects in, in chapter 9. Chapter 10 is dealing with Israel. Israel and their need for the gospel. Now, of course, the Apostle Paul, he was, he's an Israelite. Um, he was a, the Hebrew of Hebrews, he said in another portion of scripture. He was very uh, just entrenched in that culture and trained and he knew the word of course he was on the path of being a pharisee uh, which would have been a lawyer one of the leaders of israel and um but paul had a heart for his people and we're gonna look at this tonight and um we're gonna start first we're gonna touch israel's rejection then we're going to talk about the remedy for that rejection, and then we're going to talk about the results of their rejection. And how many of you guys know someone even today who's is from the Jewish lineage, and they still uh, they don't believe Jesus is the Christ? I know most of the Jews that I know, um, they are still part of Judaism, and they don't believe um, that Jesus is the Christ. They don't accept that truth, and so the same was true. In Paul's day, Israel as a whole, as a majority, many did come to know Christ as Savior, but many rejected it. Of course, he's writing to the church in Rome, and there would have been some Jews there. It was a multicultural church, though. And uh, we're going to look at, it. first of all, Israel's rejection. I want you to see Paul's heart for Israel. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel. It's Israel. That it might be saved. Okay, so Paul had a heart to see his kinsmen, his 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 lineage, his family, uh, those in, from his his nationality, Israel, God's people. He had a heart for them, and his desire was for them to be saved. And he prayed about it. And um, I want you to understand something. This is something that I think many of you in this room can relate to. You know someone in your life who isn't saved, who has rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I can my very best friend, I've shared with you guys before, my best friend in this world, he is an unbeliever. And I love him to death. His name is Keith. If you guys remember that, pray for Keith. I've been praying for him. And I remember uh, one occasion when he came to my house, I was in seminary and uh, I shared the gospel with him and he, he wanted no part of it. And um, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. And for some reason, that time it broke my heart. 
<clears throat> to the point where I'm in front of my friend, and this may not seem manly to some of you, but I have tears in my eyes. You know, I'm, 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 and this is what I believe when I picture verse number one, when Paul is writing this, he's saying uh, his passion is for his people. He's, he's broken for his people and, and the fact that they aren't saved. And you know, you guys often hear us preach here about just the, the, the weight of that. The, the reality of hell. The reality that someone who is not in relationship with Jesus Christ, that they will spend eternity separated from God. And, and that didn't, just because they were Jews, just because they were part of God's chosen nation, did not make them uh, immune to that truth. Um, so Paul starts off there. He says, <clears throat> brethren, <clears throat> talking to his brothers he says my heart's desire <clears throat> excuse me and prayer to God is for Israel that it might be saved then he goes on and he, he, he speaks about what is the problem why why did Israel reject their Messiah why well I want you to notice they were religious they were they were zealous in their religion I want you to look Look at verse number two. He says, for I bear witness, Paul says, that they have a zeal for God. These people, Israel, they had a zeal for God. Sort of what I just was describing when I walked in here tonight, the buzz in the room and just, you guys are excited to study the word of God, be with your brothers, to worship. A zeal was there, there's an energy. Now, Israel had a zeal for God. They were God's people, they, they knew the truth. And they, um, they were passionate about God to a degree. And it was not something that, <clears throat> like us, they took off and put on. Their whole lives were centered around their, their faith. You understand that uh, a Jew would have made several trips to Israel. If they didn't live to, in Jerusalem, they would, have, they would have taken trips to the temple two or three times a year at great expense. They would have taught their children. Uh, to memorize scripture, they would have uh, they would have gone to schooling, and many the average uh, Jew would have known more of the Bible than you know most Christians today in America read, and and this would have been a part of their very fabric of life. They were zealous for God, but they were in that zeal. They there was a problem. Bible says, verse 2, they had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. You ever meet somebody who has a zeal for something, but they are wrong about it? <laughs> it seems like that describes the entire generation right now. <laughs> I was watching an interview. Um, a guy, a pro-life gentleman, was interviewing a, a, a college-age young lady. And the debate was, of course, over Roe v. Wade. And and uh, the, the issue at hand was, uh, is the baby in the womb a separate person? And um, of course, this young lady took the position as no, uh, because the baby wouldn't be viable outside the womb at certain points. And, and of course, you know, there wasn't any science behind, there wasn't any fact, and of course we know this. You know, my wife, for, she has a special blood type, I forget what it is. And, and any time that we would have a child, she'd have to get a, a, a shot because the blood, her blood type is so rare 
that if the blood of our child would commingle with her blood, it would cause her to be deathly ill. A minus. I think that's what it is. You're probably right. <clears throat> And so, it's a very rare blood type. Very few people, have, and they always are calling her about you know donating it, and it's 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 a very sought after blood type. But anyhow, but uh, I'm just using that as a as a example of the truth that we know. I know most of us in this room would agree that a child in the womb is is the, is you know in the mother, but it's a separate person. But this woman, of course, was very zealous about her argument and angry and, you know, <laughs> and that's what you, you see people today. If they, uh, they will not admit they were wrong, they will just say the, what they believe more strongly, more loudly. And I want you to understand that this would have been the same pride and attitude that Israel had when it came to knowing God. And, and they were zealous, but they were off. They didn't quite understand what... Uh, what the law meant and, and how everything was pointing to the coming Christ. And so they were, they had zeal, but they, they were, uh, they did not have the knowledge that they should have had. And I just want to encourage us. I know many of you men, you love the Lord and you're seeking him. And I just want to encourage you just to continue to be a student of the word, continue to, to, to seek God and, and his wisdom and understand him better. And, um, you know, be humble about it as you know, God will progress you, you will learn and you will understand. I'm still learning things every single day of my life. And I've studied the Bible for the last 13 years of my life. Um, and it's just, you know, it's humbling. And it's also uh, encouraging at the same time because no one, no, even Paul said this, I haven't arrived. I haven't made it to the point where I know everything or I've ascended to perfection. So he's saying about his people, Israel, they had a zeal, but they did not have it according to knowledge. Verse number three says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. They were proud and self-righteous. They believed by keeping the law. And we're going to see in just a moment. By keeping a set of rules and religious activities that they would make themselves righteous. They were self-righteous. They were proud about that. And um, many today in religion are very proud that they have kept a standard of, uh, of the religion and they've kept rules and they've, they've done all these many things. And, and because of that, they are justified. They are better than the rest of us. And, and uh, I was listening to a sermon today and, you know, it just really rang home with me. And, what the preacher was saying is this, is that every one of us, uh, we we fall short, of course. We're all sinners, right? How many of you guys would say, I, I sinned today? <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, oftentimes when we read the Bible, we place ourselves in the position of the, we place ourselves in Scripture in a position of, of superiority or or we're, you know, like if reading about Jesus, right, in the Bible and how he went out and ministered to the, the, the prostitutes and the, the publicans, you know, we, this is what we say. This is what I used to do. <laughs> I used to say, oh, today, God, you want me to go reach some, some prostitute or you want me to go reach out to this tax collector? You want me, God, to, to see, I'm going to be like you, Jesus. I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to reach these people who are beneath me. <laughs> Do you know what God has shown me? 
I'm the prostitute. I cheat on him every day. I fall short every single day of my life. There's not often a week that goes by where I don't have to apologize to my wife or, or go to this person in the church and say, man, I, I, I messed up there and uh, where I don't need grace. You see, religion doesn't deal with the, the biggest problem in every one of our lives. It doesn't deal with sin. Pride. It, it doesn't deal with pride. It doesn't deal with the fact that we're going to keep stumbling. And I promise you this, guys, you're going to keep stumbling until you, you are on the other side of eternity. You may conquer some things. You may things that used to trip you up may not do so as quickly. But we are all in need of grace, and that's where Jesus comes in. You see, this is why Jesus had to come because we could not justify ourselves. We were, none of us could ever be good enough. I heard about the pastor Robert McShaney, and, and he is out one day passing out gospel tracts, and he handed one to a well-dressed woman. And when she looked at it, she had a high look, a high look, on, and she said, Sir, you must not know who I am. And very kindly he said to the woman, Madam, there's a coming day of judgment. And on that day, it will not make any difference who you are. Mm -hmm. You're not good enough. I just want to tell you guys, I know you guys don't need to be reminded of it, but I, I, I want you to understand that God knows this, and this is uh, why we must we must run to Him on a daily basis. We must we must uh, soak our lives in the grace that He's extended to us. And Israel, they were rejecting God because no, we're good enough. We're, we're we're children of Abraham. No, we keep the the feasts and we keep the law, and and we don't eat the unclean things, and and we're not like the the pagans around us. Uh, we we're we are uh, self-righteous. We are working and, and we, are, uh, we are ascending uh, to a level of righteousness that the world isn't, uh, isn't capable of because we are God's chosen nation. And so, but God is saying to them, hey, the whole system that you're talking about, it all pointed to Jesus. The law, we're going to see in just a moment, that they misunderstood was pointing them to Christ. I want you to see this. Look at verse number four. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So Christ is the end of the law, the finality, the completion uh, of the law is in Christ. There's Now God gave the law, and, and when I speak of the law, it's of course talking about God's, of course, uh, laws for his people, right? Um, you can say the Ten Commandments, but really, truly, there's three, four hundred uh, of commandments that God had given to Israel. <clears throat> but they can all be summed up in those ten. And, and um, of course, because they had that revelation, because they were aware of the law of God, they were held to that standard. But the law, of course, is always intended to point us to Christ because no one can keep it. You know, every one of us has told a lie, you know, but and this is what we do. You know, all of us will admit that we've told a lie, but very few are honest to say, you know what, I'm a liar. Every, you know, many people in the church will admit that I've stolen something, but they won't admit that they are thieves, that they're bent towards it. You know, my 
my son um, <laughs> turned four today, Elijah. And um, this Sunday, last Sunday, we were uh, we had some people over at the house and <clears throat> and uh, they're outside playing with some of the other kids or the people and and uh, our neighbor comes to our door and he rings the doorbell and my wife answers it and we have a conversation and she comes to me she said honey I got some bad news I said well, what's up and she said. One of the kids threw a rock over and broke the neighbor's window. <laughs> I said, oh, man, there's about 15 kids out there. So it's like, how are we going to find out? So I, I got them all up. I, just <laughs> I said, who, who, who threw the rock? They all said, no, we didn't do it. But I noticed Elijah, he's three. He just turned four, right? I noticed Elijah, he's just a little squirmy. He's just looking a little squirmish. He's real quiet. I said, Elijah, did you throw that rock? He said, no, no. <laughs> and so I let it be. You know, back in the day, some of you guys know what would have taken place. Like, <laughs> every one, one of them would have. <laughs> <one of them. laughs> you can't do that in this day. Well, you just anyway, keep so, it on the hush hush. Just keep it on the hush hush. So, anyway, so a few hours passed, and Elijah, for some reason, he's just. He's kind of planted towards my side. He, normally he's running around having fun. And I just see it's just weighing on him. Something going on his mind. And so I waited. I just let him sit in that for a minute. You know, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I, I, then I said to him after everyone left, it was just him and I talking. I said, Elijah, you won't, you won't get in trouble. You just got to tell me the truth. I'm, I'm going to show you grace right now. But I want you to tell me, did you throw the rock? He said, yeah, I did throw the rock, daddy. I said, show, show me how big it was. He showed me, he said, and uh, he, he, he admitted to it. But I said, you know what, I'm gonna show you grace this time. And that was because I hadn't called yet to see how much it was gonna cost. $400, oh, Wow. Yeah, if you want to call prior, there goes his grace. I'm telling you, it's a birthday day. I didn't spank him. I didn't. I showed grace, but I want you to understand, we are all that. And some, sometimes we may think that we, you know, we've ascended and we, we're we're far away from. No, we are all that. We are all sinners, and what we deserve, because of who we are and what we do, is judgment. But God shows us grace, he, and ultimately, He showed grace through the person of Jesus Christ. He came to die in our place to take the penalty for our sin. He was the substitute, the perfect sacrifice from God. And here, Israel was saying, "No, we reject." Jesus, God's perfect sacrifice, and we're choosing to worship and idolize the law. That would be like me saying this. Let's say someone gave me, someone gifted me, say, Pastor, we love you so much. We're, we're gifting you a 2021 Shelby GT500, okay? <laughs> and uh, it's parked over here. You know, just here's the key. You know, I, after I wake up out of fainting, you know, I, but I say, here, Pastor, here's also, here's the, here's the manual for this car. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of technology in these new cars, and, and uh, you might want to read that first and, and help you to understand it, right? And you know what it'd be like, what, these are what the Jews were doing. This is what they, 
If I spent my whole life just reading the manual, saying, ooh, this is cool, like, look at this feature. But I never got in the car. I never hit the gas. I never tried the launch control. I never took my wife on a date in that. But I idolized, I kept the book as clean and dust-free as possible. And I just, you know, the, the manual, of course, is pointing to the Mustang, right? And the real, the real treat is found in, 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 in getting in the Mustang and sitting in the seat and smelling the leather and living uh, and driving uh, and, and, and experiencing the, every one of those horses under the hood. And I'm telling you, that's what Israel was doing. They rejected their Messiah and they wanted to uh, stick close to the manual, to the, to the, the to checklist. And, and by doing so, they were missing out more than they could comprehend. You see, they had completely misunderstood the law. As I mentioned before, every part of the law pointed to the Christ, the sacrifices. You remember, God set up these sacrificial points where they would, <clears throat> depending on the, the, the amount of uh, resources the family had, they would have to buy either a dove or, or a young pigeon or a lamb or, or a young calf. And they would, of course, sacrifice that, to have that animal uh, killed and the blood would be applied to their account. And, this was all a picture of Christ. Everything about the religious feast pointed to Christ, the priesthood. I mean, everything in the law told them that they were sinners and that they needed someone else to pay. Before Christ, it was those animals who had to pay the cost, right? These innocent animals would have to shed their blood. But ultimately, we know Christ would be the final sacrifice. That's why the Bible says in verse number four, he is the end of the law for righteousness. <clears throat> because now we're going to see a shift in just a moment. Now they're going to shift from the law being a source where they would get righteousness, so to speak, temporarily. It always was temporarily, right? They'd always have to come back the next year, the next feast. But when Christ offered the final sacrifice now it would be through faith that righteousness faith in him <clears throat> him alone that righteousness would be given and it would not be temporal it would be permanent i was looking in the commentary and it compares the, the law of righteousness versus the righteousness that comes through faith and it says oh, the law of righteousness was for the jew only right did the law go to any other people? No. It was just for the Jews. The Jews were the only ones who received the law. But the righteousness of faith, we're going to see in just a moment, was for whosoever. I love that word. The law of righteousness was based on works, right? They had to keep the law in order to be viewed as righteous. But faith righteousness comes by faith alone. The law of righteousness caused them to be self-righteous. But faith righteousness is based upon God's righteousness. The law cannot save, but the faith in Christ brings salvation. The law of righteousness says you have to obey. 
obey to receive this righteousness, but the righteousness that comes by faith is simple. You get it by calling on the Lord. We're going to see in just a moment. The righteousness that comes from the law, it leads to pride. But I want you to understand, righteousness that comes by faith, it glorifies God. Nobody's going to go to heaven and say, hey, look at my badge. I got here because I earned this. Well, I was good enough or I kept the law well enough to, to have entrance into heaven. The Bible says that no flesh will glory in his presence. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. Not of works, as any man should boast. This is what Paul is speaking to. And they completely misunderstood the law. He goes on, look at verse number five. He says, for Moses writes about the righteousness, which is the law, which is talked about. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. In, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And he goes on, he says, how faith righteousness is obtained. Look at verse number nine, it says, that if thou shalt confess, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Listen to that. Amen. One of the most glorious verses in the Bible. You know, if we only had that verse, verse number nine, we would know how to be saved. What Paul was saying in those verses, you can't, you, you can't, you can't by the law of righteousness cause Jesus to come down, and, or, or you can't by the law of righteousness ascend up, and, and, and you, you can't do this, but the law uh, that, I mean, the faith that comes through, uh, righteousness that comes through faith, it says if we just but confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus you have to confess that Jesus is Lord. <clears throat> Jesus is Lord. Now, for the for a Jew, that was a big deal, right? They believed that there was only one God. And to confess Jesus as Lord for an Orthodox Jew, that would have been uh, an earth-shattering decision because it would have changed everything in their lives. No longer would their lives be wrapped up in the law and in the keeping of the feasts and the temple and, you know, and, and that side of it. And if now all of their hope and their faith would be placed in a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. So they had to believe in his death and his resurrection. That's the gospel. You have to believe Jesus being God in the flesh, died on the cross, shed his blood for your sin and my sin. Not only did he die and was laid in that tomb, but three days later he rose from the dead so that we could be saved. That that is the only way. Now, the only responsibility that we have in that is to believe. Right. It's not going to church, it's not being baptized, it's not living a certain standard is to believe. Simple. And 
this is what the Jews did not want to embrace because they had been working so hard. They had been keeping the law. We are God's people. We won't repent and we won't turn away from that. Which they, in essence, they weren't turning away from God and the law. What they were uh, acknowledging when they came to Christ is that he completed the sacrifice. He, uh, of course, was the end of it all. And, and um, this is where they struggled. They didn't understand. They had zeal but not knowledge. But I want you to see verse number 10. It says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I'll never forget, uh, I was serving on a bus route out in Lake Los Angeles, and one of the kids, his name is Jojo, I still stay in contact with him every now and then. He's 26 years old now. He was, you know, he was maybe like 13, 14 at the time. But he's raised by a Muslim mom and a Muslim dad. But for whatever reason, they would let him and his brothers come to church. And so I, I would have to, he'd like to come to church, but he'd like to stay for the, the evening service at 5 p.m. And so I'd have to drive him all the way out to Lake LA and we'd, we'd get a nice cheeseburger, you know, and it would make his day, you know, just to hang out with me, you know, and, and I kind of the joy to influence him. But anyhow, uh, he had come to faith in Christ. All of his brothers, too, had gotten saved. And, but mom was still standoffish, I remember, her name Andrea. And um, she was struggling because, you know, what Islam teaches is that Jesus was a prophet, right? He was God's prophet, they say. But he wasn't the final prophet. He wouldn't, he, Allah, I mean, excuse me, not Allah, um, Muhammad, excuse me, is the prophet. He's the final one. And uh, so she struggled with this, and her husband's in prison. He's a staunch Muslim, and he had a stronghold on this family, very controlling. I, I just could sense it. I think she was fearful for a while to ask any questions about Christianity. But I remember the day where I, I'd taken Joe, Joe home and just got put on my heart just to talk to her and say, hey, Andrea, I just want to share with you, you know, what it is that your son is learning at church, and I share with her the gospel. And um, when I got to the part about who Jesus was, I, I, for whatever reason, God really impressed it upon my heart to tell her that Jesus, of course, was the God man. He was God in the flesh. And it's like a light bulb went off in her head. She's like, all this time I've wondered what the big fuss is about Jesus, but Today you showed me from scripture and you explained it to me in a way that I can understand. And uh, that he wasn't just another man. And she had read the Quran. If you've, I've studied the Quran. You guys understand about Muhammad that, of course, he was polygamous. He married a 13-year-old. He, uh, he was uncertain when he was coming to the end of his life if he would be allowed in heaven. You won't find the word love in the Quran. You won't hear of grace in the Quran. You won't hear, you, you are in jeopardy all the time when it comes to Allah. He, he is uh, a God who, he's temper, he's very, his, his temperament is very volatile. The exact opposite of our God, who's Jesus, who's meek and lowly. And so as I explained that to her, the light went on, I see it, I saw it. And then the next, I said, hey, um, you know, Andrea, would you want to come to church next Sunday night? And she said, yeah, I'd like to. And I'll never forget that night she came to church. She heard 
we had a guest preacher in from Virginia. And whatever, you know, Sunday nights they would normally never give an invitation like for salvation, but this preacher did. And Miss Andrea walked that aisle. <laughs> and she got saved that night. Let me tell you, praise the Lord. When we planted the church, we planted a little extension. I was going to Lancaster Baptist and we planted a little, I talk about it sometimes when I'm preaching. We planted an extension church out in Lake LA. Some of you guys know over by uh, the drive-through dairy on 170th and O out there. There's the, stair, the sheriff's station and there was a thrift store. And then we have the third storefront, right? And I'm 26 years old, I'm you know, newly married and I'm excited. I just, you know, I would have preached anywhere you know and uh, but they they said you can go out there in lake la and um so i was out there i think it's still going we call it the lake la chapel one miss andrea never missed the sunday i remember when she got baptized and i remember just seeing her life just be trans husband's still in prison and um you know but i still pray for her and uh, I just wanted to tell you guys, because a few reasons, y'all. We should be more like Paul in a lot of ways, but I think his passion for his people, you know, we should feel the same way for our people, America. We should, we should have a burden for the lost. My dad, uh, he, he lived a very sinful life. And womanizer, I have half brothers and sisters running around, and, you know, and he's, uh, he's still not living for the Lord. My mom told me a story. Uh, about one night, he woke up in a cold sweat and uh, just rattled to his core. And I want to tell you something about my dad. He was a very influential guy but he was influential for the wrong reasons. Everybody loved my dad outside the home. Where he went, the party went, right? And uh, very personal to those outside of the home, not so much at home. When he was home, he was irritated because it means he didn't have money for booze or to go chase women. And, uh, but he woke up in a cold sweat and my mom said, well, what's going on, what's wrong? What's wrong, Henry? And. Uh, he said, I had a dream, it was so vivid. And what I saw in my dream was God, uh, well, young men falling into hell, like the devil throwing young men into hell. And he said, what I, what I felt like God was saying to me, because he professed to be a Christian, was that if, if I don't get my life together, that there are going to be young men that I've influenced that are going to go to hell. I'll never forget my mom told me that story. However, I wish I could tell you that it changed them, but it didn't. I think oftentimes we hear of the gospel and we hear of heaven and hell, but we, 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 let it, we don't let it marinate in our hearts long enough. We don't let it, let that grip us when we when we have opportunity to share with others. Paul lived his life so that others could be saved. And his passion, his prayer, and his purpose was wrapped around that. So, 
I want to continue. I'm going to read verse number 11. It says, they misunderstood this, but he's explaining. He says, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call on him. I want you to understand, though, that uh, the, the order of this was, of course, God sent the gospel to the to the Jews first, right? And you remember this? Even after his death and resurrection, he told the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem and that they would start there. He says, first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then the uttermost parts of the world. So the gospel was always intended to go to his own first, the Jews. And... Um, I want you to understand that the tribulation that's to come, the great tribulation, has a twofold purpose according to scripture. When I talk about the tribulation, I'm talking about when, when God has to shorten the days for, for, for a season because if not, the whole population of the world would die. I'm talking about where major sources of water will be turned to bitter water, where men, where it talks about Men are going to be asking to die because of the suffering they're going to go through at the hand of God's judgment. But I want you to understand that that judgment has a twofold purpose. Number one, it is to judge the unbelieving world, and it is to wake up Israel. God is going to show his mighty power like never before. And the purpose behind that, one of them, is that he still desires Israel. He still desires that his people would repent. And so this is, of course, what is being laid out here. And then one of my favorite verses in the Bible, verse 13, it says, For whosoever, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's one of the first verses I memorized. And, and um I think every Christian should know the Romans road. How many of you guys have been taught the Romans road to salvation? Okay, we gotta do that sometime then. Just a few of you. And uh, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right, so that's just my first section. Israel's rejection. I don't wanna take too much time. I'm gonna try to go through these, I got a lot of notes, but. But I want to see the remedy for the rejection. What is the remedy for the rejection that Israel currently is and, and were in that, at that time? See, the only way an unbelieving Jew can be saved, and, only, and any person in general can be saved, is by calling on the name of the Lord. We just read in verse 13. But before they can call on him, they must believe. For the Jew, that meant believing that Jesus Christ of Nazareth truly is the Son of God, the Messiah. It also meant believing in his death and his resurrection, as we read a moment ago. But in order to believe this, uh, they had to, of, of course, hear the word. And we're going to see this laid out. And this means that there needed to be a herald, a preacher uh, of the word must be sent. I want you to see it, verse 14. Follow along with me. It says, How? How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how 
shall they preach unless they are sent, as it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And I want you to, that's the progression of how someone is saved. It begins with someone being sent. It begins with someone being sent, a preacher. Now, you guys think a preacher is just a pastor or someone behind the pulpit? Well, I disagree with you. We are all called to preach the gospel. We are all called to go and bear the good news. Every creature needs to hear. Every creature, I used to hear this in the Baptist circle. Every creature deserves a preacher. <laughs> Some of you, you got a co-worker who you have a pretty good relationship with, right? And maybe you've had a few lunches with them. Maybe you've, you've built that relationship. And I, I just want to encourage you. It's now time. It's now time at the next lunch to say, hey, brother, I just want to share with you some good news. Haven't you heard enough bad news? I heard some more today. I'm the news. I hate turning on, like, I don't watch TV anymore, but now I'm like on YouTube. I got I to gotta be careful. <laughs> podcast, too. The podcast, I mean, it's just more bad news, more doom and gloom. More fear mongering, you know, mongering it's just, but anyways, we need to be sharing the gospel. Who is, I want you to think of somebody in your life right now who you could share the gospel with, who you could plant the seed. They, they may not, they may not come to Christ right away, but you know, we're all called to, to bear the precious seed of the word of God. And, and Paul was talking about how he needed to, how a preacher needs to be sent. And I want you to understand that you're right here and you're under the preaching here and, and you are being commissioned. I am commissioning you as your pastor, okay? As one of your pastors. I'm commissioning you. I'm sending you to Lockheed tomorrow. I'm sending you to the sheriff's station. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. But somebody greater than me has already sent you. Jesus. He said to the early church to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our, that's our life's purpose. Hey guys, your purpose isn't just to build your kingdom here. It isn't just to live in comfort. It isn't just to have that nice house with the acreage and the Mustang. And the, it isn't about that, you know? And I, I promise you, I, I, I don't know, since moving here and being a part of this church, seeing it grow, and I promise you, every other week I'm preaching a funeral. There's another one coming up, and, and I'm just telling you, when you get to the end of your life, what are you going to have to show for it? I want to encourage you, man, you know, our first ministry is our family. My number one desire and prayer is that all my children be saved. I'm trying to win my children to Christ. That's my number one focus is to, to, to honor God and my family. And then outside of that, Outside of my family, my marriage, the next priority for me is to honor 
God in, in, in ministry and in, in going into and in preaching. You know, <clears throat> there's, I, I promise you guys, there's nothing that compares to sharing the gospel with someone and, and, and seeing them come to know Christ. I promise you, for me, it's, there's few things in life other than my family that, that, that excites me. And, uh, and Paul is, is saying to these, these who are listening, the Romans, how are they going to hear? Except that they are sent, they're, they're commissioned, um, they, they go and preach the gospel. And it says, verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. You know, the Bible talks about in Ephesians 6 that our feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel. Everywhere that we go, you know what should go with us? The gospel. Because everyone you know has the same problem you do. It's sin, like I talked about earlier. And they need a savior. And, and it should it should uh, cause you to, to shudder in your mind to think that there's people that you know, neighbors in your block and, and those around you, even in your family, maybe within your own roof and your household who, who are not saved. And it shouldn't be because they haven't heard. That's it. We're not responsible with what people do with it, are we? We can't twist anybody's arm. We can't make their heart believe. We are God didn't say uh, that we had any part of that, but what we do have a responsibility to, to do is to share it, okay? Who have you shared the gospel with within the last six months? Have you shared it with anyone? People that are already believers. But I've heard this said, Daniel, no one should hear the gospel twice until everyone has heard it once. Amen. And don't be mistaken, just because someone lives in America, I, I remember this, I went, I was in Inglewood, you know, preaching it, and um, there's this big, giant church up the street from where I live on Eucalyptus, it's called Faithful Central Church, pastored by one of these mega pastors, I think that was on the, the TV show, um, Preachers of L.A., right? So I go to that, I wanted to see, they had four services. The first one started at 7 a.m. And, and I remember, I, you know, we hadn't started our services yet. And I wanted to go see what, you know, what was going on at this church. You know, is he barely preaching the gospel? You know, like, what's going on? And so I got in there one day and I'm sitting there. And uh, the whole service was, was pretty good. The worship, you know, it's pretty, pretty big deal. And they had a politician there that day he was campaigning I'm pretty sure he was a Democrat and, and uh, anyhow but anyway it's time for the preacher to get up and preach and he starts talking and he says the, the title of my sermon today is two lions the tale of two lions and as he says this I kid you not guys on the screens comes up the Lion King scene and you hear the ah, sibling, ah, I mean, really loud and like shocked me. And but he goes on to proceed to preach a message where no scripture shared, thousands of people, no gospel. I, I couldn't tell you what it was about. I just remember getting to the end of that, and I, I just shuddered, like because how many you know how many people in there? 
came in there searching for the truth. And they didn't get it that day. But swiftly after the service, he's, he's whisked off and, and um, I'm sure he went to his, I saw you know, many supercars in the parking lot. It's a big church, right? And I'm sure one of them were his and I'm sure he lived comfortably, I'm sure. You know. And I'm not trying to toot my horn, but I'm telling you this. When God called me to preach, he told me, you know, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And he gave me a burden that I, I can't, I can't shake. You know, you know what happens to me when I, I don't preach the gospel, or I don't share it with people around me. You know how, how I feel. I don't, I don't feel right. And I want to ask you this question: If, if you're comfortable and not sharing the gospel, do you truly think that you're right with God? Nope. I just want to just put that out. Like, do you? Now, none of us are perfect. There are times when I know God has told me clearly to talk to this person. And I said, nope, I don't want to do it right now, God. I need to get in this Walmart line. I need to get out of here. You know, I need to, I'm in the gym. I, you know, I just want to get in and get out. And, and I've been disobedient. But I'm trying to, to be more. This is why Paul would, would say, I'm, I'm a bond servant to Christ. Wherever he tells me to go, that's where I go. Whatever he tells me to do, that's what I do. And he says, there's only one message that I know. Is that's the gospel. But I want to see, I'm, a, I'm, I'm going on. I'm almost done, guys. I'm sorry. The remedy for the rejection is for them to hear the word. How they hear through a preacher. But the word of God is what they need to hear. They don't need our opinions, guys. They don't need to hear about Disney or Lion King or... <laughs> I need to hear about Jesus. The Bible says in verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? Word of God. The word of God. This is how people come to faith. They hear the word of God. And the word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive, y'all. So the remedy for their rejection is to hear I promise you, many today in our culture need to hear the gospel presented correctly. And then um, I think there will be many who would choose Christ. But I want you to see thirdly tonight the results of their rejection. What, what has taken place because of Israel's rejection? Uh, but I want you to see, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Now, Israel heard, right? Israel heard the gospel. I want you to see what the Bible says. Verse 18 says, Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Now, we know that the through the power of the Spirit that the first century church turned the world upside down, and that the gospel went to the known world, that uh, the gospel was spread, and people were in it. We know where it started. It started with the Jews there in Jerusalem. And so... They had, they'd had an opportunity to trust in Christ. They had heard the word, but they were still rejecting him. And because of that, God declared them that they are still guilty. They were still, they, they had heard and they were responsible for what they do with the message. And as I mentioned a moment ago, we can't make people get saved, but we have to deliver the message. But I want you to see not only did the message go to Israel, but it went to the world. It says, verse 19, it says, 
says, but I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy. Those who are not a nation, I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. I want you to see, because the Jews rejected, now the gospel, this is prophecy. Moses was prophesied that the gospel would go to the Gentiles. The message would go from the Jews to the Gentiles and that God would make Israel jealous because those who were not of his people would have a relationship with him, that he would uh, be real to them and they would be jealous. And, and um, of course, this is always God's plan. He knew what would happen. He, he, he wanted the world to be saved, but I'm thankful that the gospel has gone, gone forth to the Gentiles. And Paul, of course, was that apostle who, who God uses to spearhead that. He's the, the last, the, the least, as he would say, the apostle to the Gentiles. All right, so in verse number 20, I want you to know God is still desiring his people. He says, but Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest by those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, verse 21, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands. God still desires Israel. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. God is still stretching his hands out to Israel. He has a desire. He says, to a disobedient and contrary people. So Paul's heart for Israel was that they would be saved. But they were, of course, rejecting God. They were rejecting the, the righteousness that, are, that is received by faith. The Savior who has suffered and bled and died for him. For that nation. And so this is where they found themselves. Um, shortly after Paul would write this, Israel would no longer be a nation. You know, it, they would be ravaged by Rome. And it was a miracle in 1948, I believe, where Israel became a nation once again. And, and um, but yeah. You go to Israel today, you know, it's a lot of tourism, a lot of, you know, but the average Israel, Israeli today still does not believe. There's a lot of Christians there, but there's, there's, there's a lot who are still rejecting. But, all right, well, that's all I have. I went long today, but thank you. I left my glasses at home. I don't think that counts. <laughs> what up, Sal? I noticed Joey's is the first one that does the freeze us. I think you like it the most. We all do. I think you more. Yeah. That's what I remember now. Yeah, you were here. You're running to make it? Yeah, just talking to a buddy yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
You were closest. Huh? You were closest. I guess. So I mean, it's, oh, it's like the blind just leading the blind at this point. Don't say that. For real. I can't I'll see anything. Okay. Where were you before this? You said you forgot your glasses at home. Yeah. What happened? He came early. And you were rushing out? Yep. Forgot your glasses. He's call- he leaves me a voicemail and my phone goes off as I'm still in the shower. And I'm listening to his voicemail. I'm like, of course you're here early. Alright. Are we good? I believe so. Alright. Again. I don't even have the questions. You have more highlighted notes than I do. Casting the first stone. Describing to adhere to the Pentateuch, you know, but they didn't know the righteousness that they were pointing to. So, in Romans 10, 9, and 10, what is it? That someone has to confess to be saved. To confess and believe to be saved. Faith. Uh, 
have faith. Access to scripture? I can't see anything. Uh, okay. All right, so yeah, so it says in uh, Romans uh, 10 9 and 10 if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, and we know it. Okay. So, two things you got to do, right? You got to confess. Oh, what, what is it when you say Jesus is Lord? It kind of went in. Uh, Joe, I don't think I've had a chance to sit, sit with you at a table before. But when I kind of sit with you spot four times, it's kind of like popcorn uh, Thank you. It's kind of like uh, a balloon time. Kind of like when you're a little kid at a uh, birthday party and kind of pop the balloons around. Uh, feel free to just toss something out there. I just would request that everybody over their pins that would pop the balloons in your Okay, so. So it can't be popped in No. So you have to tell me your own thoughts. Okay, so. Um, so which person got to confess for us to say? So, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised you. Oh, that Jesus is Lord. That's what I was just talking about. Yeah. So what does that mean? Jesus is Jesus the word Lord. Messiah. For the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he was right there with the religious dude. He was part of it. Sovereign. The word sovereign. Sovereign. So if he's kind of like the king and the Lord of all, what should we do? Let me ask you a question. So, can you think of a time in your life? Before you maybe ask Christ to come into the law, where you can kind of envision you were who was calling the shots in your life before that? Me. Me. So I was the Lord of my life. I was the one calling the shots. I was the one that was making it happen. That was, before, yes, that was BK before BC. Before Cynthia. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is that we were the ones that were kind of like being the king. We were sitting on the throne of life. We're the ones calling the shots. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people don't think that we need to get out of the throne. Even by Christ, we're back in to where. He's the one calling the shots. He's the one that it's his way for the Bible, not your way, not my way. Um, and that's it's kind of like a two-pronged thing, the way I kind of think of it, is that, you know, he's the Lord of your life. Like I said, you ought to be off the floor. But, uh, you know, the word that comes to me is surrender. Yeah, yeah. surrender. Right. Surrender. Mm -hmm. So what's the importance of saying? In my Bible, anyway, it has it in quotes. So in other words, if it's in quotes, it's like, you need to say the What's the importance of saying, for you personally confessing, or someone who wasn't a Christian, but is now thinking about becoming a Christian, what's the importance of them speaking the words that Jesus is Lord? 
So you're kind of in a sense coming into alignment with what God says is the way it is. As an individual. As an individual. I can't say, Kevin, you believe. Yeah. You have to. You have to make the profession that you want Jesus to be your Lord. Right. I was going to say, it's like passing the baton from what you were saying before that you, before Christ, BC, you look at yourself as the Lord in your life, but when you realize that the Lord is actually the Lord in your life, it's like you have to like surrender yourself, humble yourself down, and pass the baton. Right? God, the baton, or the steering wheel to your car, the keys to your car. Yeah, get out of the driver's seat. Yeah. Get in the trunk or wherever else you want to be, but he needs to be the one driving. In your case, you really have to be tied up in the back. That's right. You got to make that I'm aligning with Christ. So, Jesus is Lord. You're making Him the one who's going to be Now, what's the second part? And, so there's two things. You have to do that. And, you have to believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. What's the importance of believing in your heart that God the Father Jesus Christ from the dead. What's the importance of that? So what you're saying, I think, I'm trying to paraphrase what I think you're saying, is... Thank you.